Father God, I ask you to send your spirit into our lives, into our homes, and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. It's in your son's name we pray. I want us to begin as we've done throughout this series by reading Galatians 5, 22 through 23 together. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is, for most of our ears, actually a, a, a difficult translation. We're very used to love, joy, peace, and patience. Um, but we usually use the NIV, as Bill mentioned earlier, uh, in, in the sermons and in my preaching, and so I wanted to keep with that. Uh, but it also served a purpose. Uh, one, sometimes a new way of hearing a text that has grown stale to our ears is helpful because it helps us to hear it anew. But two, the idea of forbearance uh, has a little bit of a different feel to it. And as we're looking at this series, this series called The Nine, that looks at the nine characteristics of God that are placed within us by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit which when it dwells within us cannot help but to contagiously transform us to start taking on in ever-increasing uh, amounts the character and virtues of God, that when it comes to God's patience, the most difficult thing for God to be patient with is not time, God is infinite, it is not waiting. God can, can wait for anything. Time is, is very uh, different to God. What God has to be patient with is us. And the idea of forbearance gets at that in a different way. And so as we look at forbearance, we're going to be looking at that. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount uh, talks about loving enemies. And Jesus says... You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is a really tough teaching. Unless you don't spend much time hanging out with your enemies. Which I think begs the question, how many of you guys have spent more than an hour this week with your arch nemesis? How many of you with, yeah, a few parents raised their hands. Uh, I told Leah, I'm getting ready to preach and the kids have been great today. So it's a sermon about putting up with annoying people. Good luck. May the spirit be with you. I'll be on stage. Um, God bless children's worship. Not many of us spend a lot of time hanging out with our arch rivals. Not many of us have a nemesis. Uh, do you really have a villain to the plot of your life? You know, this is kind of a, a teaching that I think we, we hang on to a lot of times, and it's very, very difficult if you have an actual enemy in your life. If you don't, then it's not actually that hard to love your enemies or to love your rivals or to love your nemesis, nemesises, nemesi. We don't even know. They don't come up very often uh, in our day-to-day -day conversations. 
And if that's the case, then it's actually not that hard for you to go through the average day loving your enemies. They're abstract and they're far, far away. They don't come in contact with your life. You know, it certainly would have been harder for Jesus' audience to do and carry out this teaching. When Jesus says to to the Jews who were gathered around him on the mountainside that day, love your enemies and, and pray for those who persecute you, they were living in a land that was ruled over uh, by an occupying Roman force that, that could expect them to go up and say, I need you to carry my pack, my supplies, for a mile. And you had to do it. That could, from time to time, if you started to raise up and rebel against them, or if you didn't want to pay your taxes, or if you did something that they didn't like, they might go and take the leaders of your group and crucify them. It was much more real to them when Jesus gave this teaching than it is to us who don't usually come in contact with our enemies. For us, they tend to be more abstract and far, far away. But the fruit of the Spirit is patience. The fruit of the Spirit is forbearance. And and when we think about these two words, patience has this idea of being willing to wait. It's bound to time. It's bound to this, this, this idea of if I endure the length of time that I have to wait for until something comes to pass, I'm being patient. It has to do with being a willing waiter. But when it comes to forbearance, it has something else to do. It has to do with a totally different idea. Forbearance or long-suffering has a different connotation. It's inherently relational. You don't forbear with time, you forbear people. The the reason that we often go through long-suffering is not necessarily because of of just enduring time. Long-suffering comes because we have to have relationships with people that are difficult to have relationships with. There are many things that are challenges when it comes to this. Well, in fact, one commentary suggests that in English... You know, we have the phrase being short-tempered, that this idea of forbearance might be the idea of being long-tempered. Do you know people that are short-tempered in your life? And do you know people that are long-tempered? They just have this ability to put up with. And, And that's kind of what this is. This is the spiritual fruit of having a high level of put up withness. You can put up with people for a long period of time. You forbear with them. You are long-tempered. You are long-suffering. And this is part of the character of God. In Exodus chapter 34, when Moses asked to see God's glory, he says, you can't handle my, my, you can't see my face, but I'll show you my glory and I'll give you my name. And, And as God puts Moses in the cleft of the rock and he passes by, God pronounces his name. And it says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. You see, our God is long-tempered. He is not short-tempered. He's not angry. He is merciful and gracious and forgiving and slow to anger. 
God is patient. God waits on us to get where he needs us to be. God is practiced at patience and forbearance. And the reason that God is practiced at patience and forbearance is that God has, over the years, gotten really good at putting up with humans. You know who has not gotten very good at putting up with humans? Humans. And so what we need is for God to continually place his contagiously indwelling transformative spirit within us to produce in us the ability to put up with each other. And the thing that that makes this interesting is we often jump to the idea that we need to bear with our enemies and bear with those who are our greatest opponents. You know, and I think most of the time we're not hanging out with our arch rivals, and so this is easy. Last Tuesday, I did not get mad at anyone who was trying to kill me. And I, I'm, I appreciate that you guys are so proud of me at not being mad at people that were trying to kill me on Thursday either. It didn't come up. You know, I think it would be better if we spent more time thinking about what it means to spend time with people who annoy us people who just grind on us and and drive us crazy. The ones who, when you see their name on caller ID, you cringe and you have that battle where you're like, do I answer? Do I hang up? I can get it over with if I answer now. If I I wait and put it off to later, I've got to decide if I'm going to call them back. What am I going to do? And by then you go to slide it just as it goes to voicemail and you go, well, I had good intentions. The people who annoy us. Caller ID cringe makers. It's the people who cause us to roll our eyes behind their backs. It's the people who we mute their Facebook feeds while smiling at their faces later in the week. Those are the people that are often the most difficult for us to forbear with. We need to think less about loving terrorists and more about loving Steve Urkel. Okay? This is the challenge. And, and how many of you remember Steve Urkel? This is some, yeah, Steve Urkel was kind of the nerdy neighbor of Carl Winslow in the old sitcom who would come next door, and he was nerdy. His pants were too high, and he wore suspenders, and and he'd walk over, and he'd push his glasses up, and he'd break something all the time, breaking stuff or ruining things or or making relationships difficult. And, And Carl Winslow, the neighbor next door, would look at Steve and go, Steve, and Steve would say famously, did I do that? You know, remember that? Not many of us have villains in our lives, but we've all got Steve Urkels. I didn't appreciate until I was trying to realize how to spell Urkel this week that his name begins with Urk, because he just irks him off. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it sure feels like it is. You know, for most of us, the most difficult challenge is figuring out how to love and forbear with and put up with, and we need God's Spirit to do this, the annoying, obnoxious people that keep showing up in our life and that God keeps putting in our way and in our path and in our families and in our jobs. On purpose, Alton? Maybe he does. Because God wants us to grow in our ability to tolerate the people who push our buttons and make us angry. Because this is in the very character of God to put up with people that drive him crazy and make him angry, and that's us. And so we have a God who helps us to stop being quick-tempered and to become long-tempered. 
Instead of being quick to anger, to become slow to anger. And when we think about those people that make us quick-tempered, push our buttons, make us just grind on our every last nerve, we need the Holy Spirit to give us the character of God. The character of God that helps us to put up with them. And while you keep thinking, man, I'm running out of sanity. I've got to start limiting my exposure to this relationship with that person in my life for my personal mental health. The Spirit of God puts in you this desire to do the opposite of limiting. When you have this desire to cut that person out of your life, the Spirit of God puts in you this this character virtue of God that increases your ability to put up with them, to be steadfast, to have staying power. The fruit of patience and forbearance gives you this staying power. It empowers you to become steadfast. Staying power and steadfast love are the results of patience. And so when we think about the spiritual gift of patience, it's not the ability to wait longer. It's the ability to deal with people that we don't want to deal with on a more regular basis and to do so with the character of God as our guiding virtue in how we do this. When John gets to be, sits down to write his first epistle, 1 John, he talks so much about love, and he talks about loving your brother and sister and how important that is to being in God. And I want you to see two of these texts and to think about, uh, as you we're doing this, the people that is your, the person that is your Steve Urkel, the person that just drives you crazy. And they may be in your family, they may be in the church, they may be someone that that lives next door, but who's the person that you have the hardest time forbearing? And hear what John writes. John writes, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And we want to be in the light and not in darkness. And we want to be like God and not like the darkness that is without God. And then in chapter 2, he talks a little bit more about what that looks like. Because if we only had what was there in that passage we just read, then we just need the purifying power of God to bring us into the light as he is in the light. But in chapter 2, John writes, May anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. But anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. If you want to be in God's light, you've got to love your brother and sister. And the challenge that comes up over and over again for Paul, and Dennis, I love that you pointed out that that the word patience doesn't come up there in in the passages about Jesus, but it keeps coming up over and over again in Paul, is that something has changed in the church by the time Paul is doing his ministry. Paul is famously the missionary to the Gentiles, and he's having to get Jews and Gentiles to figure out how to take the Lord's Supper together as often as they meet and gather with one another. He's got to get people that don't 
previously, have never belonged to each other before. In fact, they would more often rather be at war with one another than eating with one another. And he's got to get them to think of one another as brother and sister instead of being separated by the enmity of the past. So Paul has to start talking about patience a lot. Because Paul has to get these people to forbear one another a lot. Because they're not family. They're not friends. They're not community. The only thing that holds them together is, in fact, the greatest thing of all. It's the cross of Jesus Christ and their belief that they should follow the God who died on it. And so they forbear with one another. But if we claim to have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we are not in light. If you love your brother or sister, you are in the light. But if you hate them, you are in the darkness. We have to love the difficult ones. For Jesus, the difficult ones were the lepers, the children, the demon-possessed, the judgmental, the loud, the persistent, the tax collectors, and the prostitutes. He was patient with them. He was hospitable to them. He was kind to them. He loved them. And he demonstrated for us not only the patience that Dennis talked about in his waiting, but his patience with people to, to tolerate them and forbear with all of their flaws and to be long-tempered with them, whereas the apostles were often quick-tempered. Children would come rushing up to Jesus, interrupting his lesson. And the apostles would say, listen, get him out of here. He's doing important stuff right now. But Jesus wasn't quick-tempered with children. He was long-tempered with them. They said, no, let him come. They're not an annoyance to me. I've got to love the ones that are difficult to love, the ones who interrupt my really good sermon, Jesus says. He's long-tempered with children and tax collectors like Zacchaeus and prostitutes, and he just, he just loves them. And he loves them even though it's difficult and it's confusing to everyone around him. And for us, it's not a lot of those people. It certainly is those people. But for us, it's often people who take from us while never giving gratitude or giving back. Those people are hard to forbear. For us, it's the people who don't live by the rules that we think they should live by. Those people are hard sometimes to forbear. These are the people that think differently, live differently, and vote differently than me. I don't know how they could think the way they think, live the way they live, support the worldview that they have. It's so different than mine. I don't know how I can possibly forbear them. We're going to need a little bit more of the Spirit of God to come into us. If we're going to be able to, to come around the people that you've unfriended on Facebook but keep seeing in real life and put up with them, we're going to need the Spirit of God coming in us and empowering us to tolerate them and long-suffer them because this is what God has done for us. And so when we look at, at what it's going to take, and it is a challenge and it's not easy. This is why we need the Spirit of God to do it. When we look at what it's going to require, there's three biblical keys that I want to give you that I think are, are vital if we're going to be the people who forbear others. And the first one is this, is that you have to remember that God puts up with us, and so his spirit enables us to put up with others. And so when you're looking at someone and you think, man, I'm having a hard time getting along with them, the first thing you need to, to ask is this, do you think that God has ever thought about you or thought about me 
I am so sick and tired of them wanting so much from me and never giving anything back. Has God ever thought that about you? Because if he has, then maybe his spirit is empowering us to think that about others and to love them through it, the way God has loved us through it. Has God ever looked at you and said, when will they ever learn? Yep. Then maybe he wants us to love people through thinking that about them. Has God ever looked at us and said, when will they ever ever quit whining all the time. Can't they be grateful for any of the good things they've given them? Instead, they just whine about the little challenges. Well, then maybe we can forbear people through their whining too. God's very name proclaimed to Moses in the cleft of the rock tells us that he is slow to anger. And it invites us as his people to join him there. And so the first key that we need when we think about what it's going to take for us to be long-tempered and to forbear people and to be patient with the people that we want to be the most impatient with is that God has been patient for us and that's not always been easy. And His Spirit enables us to be patient with others for His good glory and His good purposes. And the second key is this, is that we need to see God in others, especially difficult others. And let me show you what I mean. In Philippians chapter 4, when Paul's writing to the church in Philippi and he's trying to help them to resolve some conflicts that they have there, he writes, finally, brothers and sisters. And this comes right after saying, boy, I sure hope Eutychus and Syntyche can work their problems out. I hope that they can get through the problems that they have. And then he comes into this section and we do other things with it. But I think for Paul, this is really relational stuff. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We tend to look at this and say, okay, whatever's good, whatever's admirable, whatever is lovely, choose that on TV instead of stuff you shouldn't watch. This is not about what shows you watch on TV. What, what Paul is doing is saying, listen, when you're around people that are difficult to forbear, look for the lovely in them. Look for what is admirable in them. Look for what is, is good in them. And sometimes it's difficult, but instead of of robbing them of the benefit of the doubt, give them the benefit of the doubt. And we do this because we must see the good in others instead of focusing all the time on what drives us crazy about them. We need to not only see the good in others, but we must see the God in others. We need to know that God made that person that drives you crazy in God's own image. And if they're made in God's image, how do we seek out that which is God in them? The image of God that has been placed on him, his very fingerprints. We need to remember that the artist is there and present always in his masterpiece. And remember the artist before we start criticizing his work. Because there is good in all people and there is God in all people. And we need to focus on the good and the God in others as we seek to forbear them. 
And the final one is this. The third key that we need to do is we need to let the cross do its work in our relationships with others. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 18, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. The Spirit brings us both to the Father, the Spirit that gives us the fruit of forbearance, the fruit of patience. This passage is really talking specifically to the Ephesians about the difficulty of Jews and Gentiles coming together to worship in one place. And certainly there remain groups in our world today that need the reconciling power of the cross to bring entire groups together to worship God with one voice and in one spirit. But this is also true, if it's true of groups and communities and nations and peoples, it's also true of individuals. That one of the reasons that Jesus died on the cross was to tear down the barriers that exist between you and people that drive you crazy all the way to your enemies, but including your Steve Urkels. It's the call that you take the people who, who really drive you nuts, and there's all these barriers that are drawn up between you and them. It's recognizing that the cross of Jesus Christ destroys those barriers and requires you to forbear them. It requires you to love them across all the difficulties and the pain and the brokenness of your strained relationship. So when you're unwilling to be patient with people by the power of the Spirit, you nullify and reject the power of the cross to tear down the barriers between you and that person. Our refusal to forbear with people that aren't easy for us to be long-tempered with is a rejection of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And if it's difficult to do this, that's okay because God knew it would be hard and he placed his spirit within us so that the very character of God that makes it difficult for him to put up with us will start to transform us so that we can overcome the difficulty of forbearing with others. You know, in the world we live in today, we live in a world where covenant relationships have lost their power to endure. Families are torn apart by infighting. Marriages are ending in casual divorce. And I'm not talking about marriages where there's violence and abuse. In those relationships, the one who leaves does so because the other person's already violated and broken the covenant. I'm talking about marriages that, that just, eh, you're not as fun to live with as you used to be. Let's just not do this anymore. And we throw away covenant relationships. And when you read that Ephesians 2 passage, it's marriage language. 
that, that brothers and sisters in Christ come together and, and they form one flesh out of two previous humans. That the idea is that what Jesus is doing is creating covenant communities in his church that should be as long-lasting as marriages. And yet we're casual about jumping from church to church and congregation to congregation because relationships sometimes get difficult at church and we'd rather just throw them away and start over than work through them by leaning into the Spirit and using what the Spirit gives us in forbearing with one another to reconcile and love and put up with. And so we must reclaim the Spirit's fruit of forbearance and patience. We must become people who are long-suffering, long-tempered, steadfast, and enduring in our love and relationships with one another because God has been patient with us. And he empowers us to do it by his uh, character being placed in us by the Holy Spirit that lives within all of us who have been baptized and follow him. And we do it because we reenact the reconciling power of Jesus' death on the cross. God was patient with us. The Spirit gives us the power to do it. Jesus demonstrates it on the cross and tears down the barriers. The very nature of the Trinity invites us into this practice of putting up with one another and loving each other through all the difficult stuff that this world puts in our way. That's the spiritual fruit of forbearance. And we need to let this fruit enter all of our relationships, from our enemies to our Steve Urkels, to our families, to our friends, and to our churches. Who is it that you're withholding this from? Who do you need to love through some of the difficulties? And you're not doing it alone because wherever you are and wherever you do it, the Spirit goes with you and empowers you to do all that is required. And this promise is not just for those who are great and those who are strong and those who are prophets and, and evangelists. This is for everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you've never made that decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ, why not today? Why not today? If you have that or any other need to respond to the gospel, please come forward this morning as we stand and sing. On bended knee I come.